And to Jeremy's point earlier, we have well-worn paths in our head. We have songs that we know, and that's the direction we want to go. But choosing to go the other direction is a possibility, and it is harder. And don't get me wrong, it's a struggle, and there's been lots of tears. But it is simply a choice that you can make. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to be okay with frustration. You can choose to be okay with growth. But just doing the same song and dance because that's your comfort zone, um, there won't ever be any growth there. You'll never progress beyond where you are. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Do you ever feel like a total mess? Do you feel like you should have things figured out by now? I definitely have felt that way, and still do sometimes. But around the time I turned 50, it got better. I started to embrace the idea that messy is beautiful, which truly helped me to get past my perfectionist tendencies and start taking imperfect action towards what I truly wanted out of life. It's been very freeing. My guests this week are Jeremy Grader and Zach Tucker. They are co-hosts of the brilliantly named podcast called The Fit Mess. (laughs) I just love that name. Both Jeremy and Zach have experienced a major shift in the way they deal with their physical, mental, and emotional health. For nearly a decade, they have pushed themselves to learn more about how to get healthy and stay healthy in mind, body, and spirit. And their personal journeys inspired in them a passion for using their hard-earned knowledge to help others via their podcast, where they have had the opportunity to speak to a wide range of guests, including some of the biggest names in health and wellness. And then later in our conversation, we, we do dive into talking about the concept of midlife and the fear of aging. You know, when you're in your 30s or 40s, it can feel like this looming thing. But it doesn't have to be. I'm so excited for you to get to know them in this conversation. But before we get going, I have something for you. I created a free guide for you designed to help you start taking the steps towards your next act. It's a workbook called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. You can sign up to receive it as an email series, and it has some ideas and practical exercises that you can use over the course of several weeks to get past feeling stuck. You can do them at your own pace, and they'll just be waiting in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. I'll remind you at the end of the episode and tell you where to sign up if you are ready to shake things up. Okie dokie. Without further ado, here's Jeremy Grader and Zach Tucker. Let's go. Thank you, Jeremy and Zach, so much for being with me today. It's great to finally have you here with me. Yeah, thank you so much. We're excited and uh, we appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's great to be here. Oh my gosh. First of all, I just have to tell you how much I love the name of your podcast and your artwork the fit mess podcast. I mean, come on. And and then you've got the picture on your merchandise of the guy like lifting a massive donut. Exactly. <laughs> it's very manly. <laughs> right. Those donuts are heavy. It's, you know. They are. They are. So you've got this podcast and you're talking about the journey to wellness, right? Tell me if you would It's been four years that you've been doing this podcast together. Um, Jeremy, you had the background in broadcasting, right? Correct. Yeah. I spent about 20 years in commercial radio. Zach, you were a listener, weren't you? Yes. I was always a podcast listener and had never, never done a podcast before. So I, I approached Jeremy on his expertise. 
Yeah. And so did you, did you meet, did you approach him and say, Hey, do you want to start a podcast with me? I don't think it does. Or did, did that kind of happen over time? Um, it happened over time. So, uh, Jeremy and I were, we were both on our own journey of health and wellness. And when we met, we kind of became good friends really quickly, I think. But, you know, over time we started talking to each other about our struggle with health and wellness and we started to get vulnerable with each other. And we just both really started benefiting from those conversations. You know, me being able to say the things on my mind and also, you know, hearing that another guy is going through the same thing that I am and I'm not alone. Um, and it just, you know, occurred to me one day, I was like, you know, we should, we don't hear guys talk about this stuff at all. We should like, do a podcast and get it out there and and be an example for other guys uh, and show them that you can get better by talking about this stuff. And so I approached Jeremy and I was like, look, you've done a podcast. I think we should have these conversations um, in a podcast and try and help as many people as we can. And Jeremy said, absolutely not. No way. Never doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought the idea was insane because, you know, I, I have no credentials. I have no reason for anyone to listen to me in terms of, you know, my, my leadership in this wellness space or there's nothing hanging on my wall saying he went to school and knows how to tell you to do the things. And so I was very resistant. And so he encouraged me to just check out other shows that were, you know, sort of in the same space. And I found the common theme that there, there were a lot of experts bringing on other experts and they were all experting all over each other. And I was just like, I don't really relate to those shows. Like they, they've all got it figured out. They've all got the six pack. They've all got, you know, they're meditating like Buddha on a hill and all this. And I was like, I don't, I don't relate to them, but I saw the thread of, we do have experience. We can share our journey and where there are gaps in our expertise. That's where we can bring in experts and ask them and say, Hey, we're struggling to, to fill in this hole. Can you explain to me? why this is what it is. And from there we can apply those, those lessons and sort of buy our biohack our way into, you know, better, better situations in our lives. And so that was really when I got on board was when I saw the gap there where it was just a lot of unrelatable content from, you know, supermodels and, and fitness superstars and, and not just real people sharing how hard it actually is to accomplish this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is not, it's not for the faint of heart at all. There's so much for us to get out of each other's stories, I think. And that's what I always find relatable when I listen to podcasts is that connection, you know? And I love from what I've heard of your podcast, that's what I hear too. And, connection uh, was always the key for me. And I had the good fortune of, you know, again, I worked in radio forever and I've I've been podcasting since 2004. And But the first show I did, and it was for 13 years, I did it with my brother and a friend of ours. And it was all about story. And it, but what was interesting about it at the time was it was, I was a very different person then. And the concept was very much the three of us would get together, drink a bunch of beer and just really highlight the like craziest things that were going on in our lives. And so I always sort of equated it to like, it's always sunny it's in Philadelphia, but like in real life. Uh -huh. So whatever nonsense was going on in our lives, we just showed up and shared those stories sort of through a drunken lens of, of nonsense. And it was hilarious because we would make each other laugh and we did it mostly because we made each other laugh. But every now and then we would get an email from somebody in the middle of nowhere that was like, you guys are my Sunday afternoon barbecue. Like I, I work around the clock. I hang out with my sick mom. I don't have friends. You're my friends. You're the people I hang out with. Wow. And so that was, to me, that was the thing that, that like the one carryover from that show which all, which was also part of my hesitation because I would, you know, I, I had quit drinking since doing that show. And so coming into this, I used to hide behind the lens of, of alcohol and I would just get really drunk and be that guy for an hour. And so I was like, how do I be this authentic, like healing wounded guy and share that? But it was because of those emails, even those emails of that old show, where it was like, you are my support. You are helping me. You are making this less lonely, less painful. And so I wanted to, to still keep bringing that to people because that, to me, that's one of the hardest parts of this is how lonely it becomes when you start letting go of the things that are holding you back, shedding the people and the things you do just sort of because you have to, because it's sort of the life you built around it. All of a sudden it gets really isolating. And so if we can sort of help be that companion for somebody who's in the middle of that, like, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. And, you know, I don't have anybody to hear me or to relate to this. If we can be that for them, then, you know, I, I consider it a success. 
Wow. I'm thinking about that transition from, you know, uh, from drinking and kind of, and having that to, to grease the wheel as it were. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. which a lot of entertainers might use, uh, you know, and, and then to, as you said, the, the healing wounded guy, I mean, I think it's so rare for men to come at a conversation from with that kind of vulnerability. And uh, I applaud that. And um, it, I'm, I'm just feeling really blown away by that, actually, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's, 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 um, it's something that I know for me personally took probably the better part of like five years to really adjust into and like be comfortable with it. Um, even, even up until last week, I was talking to a person about, you know, vulnerability and like my feelings and like this, this person that I am now. And I was totally okay with it. And I actually recognized it in the moment that I was just like saying all these things and the look in the other person's face. And it was another guy was like a, like a, a deer in headlights. He was just like, what, what is coming out of your mouth? You're not supposed to talk about that. That's no, 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 no. But I was so comfortable with it and I didn't feel judged. And I was just like, whatever. I mean, if you're going to, it, it didn't bother me in any way, shape or form. So like, <clears throat> I, I think there's a great amount of power in being able to, uh, talk like that and think like that. Um, but don't get me wrong took a lot of years. It took a lot of, um, feeling uncomfortable and a lot of, you know, feeling like I wasn't a man or feeling this feeling vulnerable. Um, <clears throat> and would you say I'm th the word that's coming to my mind is like reprogramming. Mm -hmm. it, like, cause it's not like uh, you flip a switch and suddenly you're, you're ready to talk. I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's some hardwired stuff. It's very hardwired. And I think we we had somebody on the show and, and doing our show, like there's all these little bits and pieces that we pull from it that make our lives better. And we were talking to somebody and Jeremy probably knows better than I do, but it, it really occurred to us during this one show that like all of these things that we're talking about, like I was so worried with being, um, having feminine qualities and not being a man and this one show really painted the picture of like, there's, there's nothing, <clears throat> nothing of my manliness that's being taken away here. I am still a man. I can still change a tire. I can go shoot a gun if I want to. I don't, I can still go do all these manly things. We're just adding additional pieces on to be better human beings as a whole. And that was kind of the moment where I flipped from. I, I feel uncomfortable. I don't like this. My programming from an early age is telling me this is wrong to it's all okay. Um, but yeah, it doesn't switch overnight. It takes a long time and, and it does require some reprogramming, but that was the key moment for me was to realize I can still be a man and do all the manly things, but I'm going to add these other qualities on too and, and see how it goes. Yeah. It can be a yes. And not an either, or right. I wonder, um, with the conversation that you were having and, and, and the guy was kind of like the deer in the headlights, did that conversation, um, did you end up walking away from that conversation? And he kind of was still like, whoa, what, what happened? Or did he, did you find that maybe he started to open up to you a little bit or how did, how did that roll? Yeah, he, he did actually open up a little bit because we, I could see he was a little bit uncomfortable with it. So I transitioned it into, um, conversations about children and making sure that our children know how to deal with and process their emotions. And mm -hmm. he had, um, a young son who was actually having some, uh, some emotional issues. Um, so then he got really involved and started, he's like, well, oh. by the end of it, he, he walked away going, huh, I might have to read a little bit about this. It's interesting. Um, but it's, you know, talking to him about his emotions, he was not interested, but talking to him about his son's emotions, he was very interested. And I know for me and I know for Jeremy, so many times we'll be reading a book. We we both have daughters. So, you know, we were never, you know, little girls. So we don't know how to, you know, raise a little girl. So we're reading books and doing all these things. And I know I'm always fun reading a book and going, 
huh oh yeah no, no that that's that's the thing for her okay i can do wait a minute that's me too yeah oh it's not just her Mm-hmm. That that happened for me with the highly sensitive child. That was the first time that that I I remember that moment explicitly, like turning through the pages, trying to figure out like what like why is she so sensitive? Maybe it's this. And page after page, I was like, okay, I'm not reading for her anymore. I just I'm, I just leveled up a little bit and figured out, oh, this is me. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, and and I think to your point about reprogramming, that idea of being sensitive as a dude, as a guy was always foreign and you were told not to don't feel the things man up rub some dirt on it all the things so it wasn't so much reprogramming as understanding my programming and understanding mm. that like this is how i'm supposed to like it's okay that, to feel this way it's okay to talk about my feel it's not it's not wrong it's, there's nothing inherently you know not manly about having feelings or whatever it was just the societal pressure of like you're not supposed to you're not supposed to do that you're not supposed to feel that way and you certainly don't talk about it so it became once we realized, uh, and and I think I had a similar uh, situation to Zach, and that that conversation he's talking about was episode ninety six with Justin Baldoni from the Man Enough podcast. Uh, yeah, just that that idea that like I'm not broken, the system is broken, mm. and it doesn't have room for me. So now it's my job to make room for me and to take up space in this world and and to make it okay for other guys to cry and to feel things and to say, Hey, this sucks. This is hard. And I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, and, and just share that, that it's okay to, to have a full spectrum of emotions and be a complete human being and not just the robot we've been conditioned to be. Hmm. Preach brother. (laughs) Seriously. Like how much better would the world be if, if, that was the way things are for everybody. Yeah. It's ridiculous that it's not. I I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, I, I know I struggle as a dad with my kids when, when they're emotional because I want to fix it, right? Like that's, that's dad's job is to fix it. And so I think that maybe that's where some of it comes from is that we have a lot of dads trying to fix their sons who are sad and crying. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Rub it off. And it's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Instead of like just sitting with it and going like, yeah, that hurts. I get it. That sucks. I, I feel, I feel bad too. That makes me sad too. Yeah. Nobody ever did that for me. For, certainly no men in my life were like, yeah, it's okay. But you're feeling, let's feel it. Like, let's, let's just process that. Get that through now. Don't shove that down so that when you're 45, you're trying to share with other people that it's okay to, to have feelings <laughs> and problems. Yeah. And it's, it's not just dads doing it. I'll say either, um, as you know, as a mom and as somebody who was the sensitive child, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I cry at the drop. I'm still, I'm a crier. I I get moved. I cry. It happens. It's, you know, I'm not going to say, I always keep tissues just in my reach (laughs) for these conversations because I never know. Um, and my parents didn't know what to do with me. And now as a parent, I think one of the things that you said really struck me in um, one of the recent broadcasts of your podcast, I think you'd said that it was a a rebroadcast of an older episode with uh, Mark Brackett talking about permission to feel. And you were like, you know, I find, I can't remember which one of you said this, but you were like, I find it's a function of time that my kid is upset, but I need to get them here. I need to get them there. I need to get them to the next. And and as parents, we are so under so much pressure, um, especially the way that our lives are structured now. They they weren't that. I don't know that this was an excuse for when we grew up um, because we were more free range, uh, you know, but now we, I feel like all the families are scheduling stuff like, okay, now we go to this. Now we go to that birthday party, sport, blah, blah, blah on the weekend, on the weekdays, it's get up, get you to school, get you to the after, you know, get the after school stuff, get you, get, let's get you fed, get your homework done. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, scheduling things and a lot of just life to get through. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, and we don't allow a lot of time for connection and, checking in we just had we we just went through this in my house it's funny that 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 story came up recently in our feed because i just went through this a couple of days ago i I went to this workshop over the weekend to work on you know old feelings repressed trauma all the things 
And I came home sort of refreshed and ready to like take on the fight again from a new perspective. And my youngest daughter had a birthday party to go to. She had to be there. She was supposed to be there at 11 o'clock. And it was like a three hour party. And it was just one of those mornings where like she was going to eat all day if that was what it took. And she was going to get her boots on when she was damn good and ready. Like, you know, there was just, there was no rushing her. She could not, we could not get her on the, on the schedule. And my wife started like freaking out. Just like, no, we got to get there. We're going to be late. If we're late, it's going to be a problem. And I, you know, me coming from my fresh, you know, weekend away with myself and my feelings, I was just like, if we're 10 minutes late for a three hour party, I really don't care. It's fine. A week ago, I would have been like, yeah, get out the door. Come on, we got to go. <laughs> and so it was just so funny how giving myself space allowed me to bring space home and to realize, okay, yeah, we don't know these people. If we're late, they may judge us as the people who don't care enough to show up for their party on time. If that matters to them, if they're going to judge us for being 10 minutes late for a party, I probably don't need to be friends with them anyways. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Like I would rather show up to the party 10 minutes late and go, oh yeah, it's just, we couldn't get her out the door and have them go, oh, I know me too. Right. Right. Any parents should people. know what that's like. Right. Yeah, those are my people. So <laughs> it's very, very easy. I'm, I'm sitting in, in one of my rare points of privilege right now to just feel like, no, we're just going to take the time. We're going to feel the feelings. We're going to make space for all of it because it's very fresh for me and it feels really good. And I know that the grind of life will wear me back down and I'll have to reboot. Oh, absolutely. And I do have a question for you because I'm picturing how this would roll in my family, yeah. in our marriage. Um, when one of us, you know, if if he came back and he'd just been on this, on this great thing and was back and feeling all the feels and all that stuff. And I was mm -hmm. like, burp, 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 we got to get there. We got to go. And he was like, that's fine. I'd be like, ah, what do you mean it's fine? I, I have to wonder. That happened. There, there was, well, you're the one that always cares that we're on time. I'm trying to be on time because you care about this. And I was like, yeah, I get that, but today I don't care. You know, like, <laughs> and that was that one of the beauties of, of this retreat that I went to is just like make space for your feelings and your thoughts. It was just like, yeah, no, I don't care right now. I might've cared last week today. I don't care. So, you know, sorry, that's just where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now the, uh, another aspect of your podcast, right. Is, is, um, is fitness. It, it's sure. your fitness journey. I mean, that that's part of what got you guys going, right. You each have fitness journeys that are as much about, as much about the um, physical fitness end of things as about the mental fitness so do you guys want to talk about your journeys to where you are now on that, in that space? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I, let's see, when I was, when I was 21, I'll just give you, here's the baseline of where I started. Um, my first 20 ish years on the planet were pretty bad traumatic childhood, um, access to lots and lots and lots of junk food. Um, to the point where when I was 21, I was about 300 pounds and I'm only, you know, about six foot. So 300 pounds on a six foot frame is um, a, a big dude. Um, I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, drank two liter Mountain Dew every day. My best friend was a manager at a local McDonald's. So I ate there for lunch and dinner every single day because it was free and I was a broke college student. Um, played video games all day, like just super, super poor uh, physical health on top of, you know, 20 years of, of, you know, mental health issues that, you know, got me to that place. Um, and my first job I, that I got out of college, um, I didn't want my, them to know I smoked. So I went to the interview without smoking and I didn't smell like smoke and I got the job and my very first day of work, uh, my boss looked at me and went, Oh, you smoke. I would have never hired you. So regardless of like my qualifications, like that was something that he felt was a distinguishing characteristic. Wow. And <clears throat> so I decided to quit and went through that, which was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And then they, there was this race that they were going to run at, at, at my job. And I was like, Oh, I get to leave work early. Like on a random mm -hmm. summer day, I, I, all I have to do is go run a 5k. I can, I can do that. And then, so I signed up for it and then realized 5k was, you know, 3.1 miles and <laughs> immediately re like regretted that. it. Just, it was, it was a bad moment. And I went to uh, the local YMCA where they had an indoor track where nine laps was a mile. And I barely got around one lap. So one ninth of a mile. And like, I was on the ground heaving, almost ready to throw up. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted my early 
you know, release from work, um, in that, in the summer. So I kept doing it every single night. Finally, I got one lap and two laps and a mile and two miles. And six months later, this was after the race for Christmas, I got a, one of those runners belts that has like two little water bottles on it and a spot for like, uh, gels. I'm like, why am I getting this? This is for runners. And then I realized like I just run it, ran a half marathon. I lost a ton of weight. Like I just like fell in love with running and then it was just on to the next thing. It was bike riding and like, oh, well, what about the stuff I'm putting in my face? Well, maybe I should, you know, eat better fuel uh, so I can run longer. And like, you know, and eventually I hurt my knee and I started moving over to like weightlifting and, and workout programs like that. But I mean, that was 20 years ago. I started this and like now today I'm like, you know, 200 pounds. Um, I go to the gym pretty much every day. I go to yoga four or five times a week. I ate really well. And I really, really value my health today because of the journey that I've had to go through. Um, people who've been fit their entire lives, I give them a lot of credit for being fit their whole lives or being athletic their whole lives. But because I know what it's like to be on the other side, like I know I can't have an off day. I know I have to keep this up. And now like my physical exercise is actually the absolute baseline foundation for my mental health. Like if I'm not doing those things, my mental health goes, goes awry. It's very interesting. Oh, they are, they are tied. Yeah. Hugely. I hit, um, a pretty good wall in my forties. And as I was getting closer to the side of 50, um, I realized that I'd been fooling myself thinking that I was exercising you know it was very spotty and uh and i was having trouble focusing and i was probably depressed and you know i realized that something had to give and i decided to start getting up early in the mornings and just committed to 30 days of getting up an hour before my kids so i could meditate and move my body somehow which most of the time ended up being yoga um and doing that for 30 days. And I'll tell you, I'm not a morning person and it was really hard to get up early, um, especially because I was staying up too late working on photo stuff. And um, then I realized, oh, I'm going to have to go to bed earlier. Right. And it's funny, you start, then I was, I started to get this energy after a couple of weeks and then really started feeling better. And when I knew that the difference was was really significant was when I went to wake up my son one morning. It was, I'm going to guess 10 or 11 and I uh, had no idea what I was doing, by the way. I went to wake him up for school and um, sat down on the side of his bed and he uh, randomly said, you seem happier, mom. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, oh, it, so, Wow. Yeah. That was everything I ever needed to know that this is what needed to happen. If if you didn't have a why before, you did right yeah. then, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so Jeremy. Yeah. Well you you had a problem with your knee, I think, I that, that I started you. Yeah, mine, it was the the dumbest, you know, speaking of kids, I had a brand new baby and, you know, the Amazon grocery guy showed up six in the morning and knocked on the door and uh, got the dog barking. And if you're a parent of a newborn, you know, the last thing you need is the dog barking to wake up the kid. So I roll out of bed to try and shut him up as quickly as possible. And as soon as I put my foot down, I did, I stepped wrong. I don't know what I did, literally getting out of bed. I hurt, my knee. I collapsed to the ground. I couldn't put weight on it. It was one of the most painful things I've ever done. Uh, and still don't know what it was, right? I went through a bunch of different, you know, scans and doctors and everybody was just like, it's probably some nerve thing. We, we can't pinpoint it. And so we'll just have to go through physical therapy. My physical therapist is the one that, you know, once she knew what happened there and I told her about, you know, sort of family history with knee issues, she was like, well, unless you want to be like everyone else in your family and replace your knees, you better get on a bike. And so I laughed at that and thought, well, that's ridiculous. Who rides a bike? I'm, you know, 35 or whatever I was. And I uh, went and whined on my brother about it because that's what I did back then is complain to him about everything. And and he was like, dummy, you just have to be the weird guy that rides his bike to work every day. Like, it's it's no more time. Just stop riding the bus and start riding a bike. And for whatever reason, he's that moment at that time, it connected with me. 
And I just literally, as he said it, I became that guy. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's easy enough. And so I bought some used bike on Craigslist. And within a week, I was riding to work every day. And the most amazing thing happened, the more I rode that bike and the more that I had to dodge cars and streetlights and pedestrians and all the things, I realized that I was falling in love with being present and just really being in the moment. I was finding so much peace because instead of worrying about the stupid thing I said last night or the last time I got drunk and you know was embarrassed about whatever you know, my behavior was or worrying about what was going to happen at work the next day or when I got there and everybody was going to be in a bad mood, I was just there in that moment surviving the city streets of Seattle on my bike. And I just was like, I need more of this. Like I need to bring this into the rest of my life because this is where I feel the most at peace. And so I ended up finding a therapist who taught me all about meditation and Dharma and, and all of that. And it was just amazing because the more that I brought it into my life, the more that I realized that there was just a lot of things in my life that were getting in the way of progress. So it wasn't even so much that I needed to make additions to my life as much as I needed to clear away the clutter and allow, allow space to really connect with myself and, and hear the answers from within to find what I needed. And a lot of it is just like what you described, right? Like I just decided to start getting up earlier and, and meditating in the morning and moving my body. And then I realized I needed to go to bed earlier. And it's just, when you open one door on this path, you find three on the other side, you pick one on the other side of that are five and you pick one on the other side of that are 10 and they just keep building. And so many of us are afraid, are afraid to open that first door because we don't want to change, right? We're comfortable with our misery. We're comfortable with being the victim. We're comfortable with our trauma and feeling the way we feel all the time, because it's, it's the song we know. It's the one that we were taught when we were a kid. And that's what we can play the hell out of being depressed. We're really good at it, but learning the happy song, that's, that's a different lesson. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know what that feels like. I'm just going to play the song that I know. And so when you start down this path, it's that it's learning that new song and you suck at it for a long time. And then eventually you start to realize, like, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting the rhythm of this. This makes sense. Oh, what else can I do? What other song can I learn? And it just completely changes your life. And so many of us, again, getting back to the point of being relatable, we look at TikTok, we look at Instagram, we look at these people that have these amazing lives and I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to do yoga and then I'm going to run six miles and then I'm only going to eat kale and celery and then I'm going to like, and you just, you just can't do all of it at once. You have to pick <laughs> one little thing do that until you don't have to think about it and then try something else. Do that until you don't have to think about it. And eventually, rather than looking at this big list of things you're going to change and failing at all of them, you do those one things at those one things at a time and you look back in 6 months and go, "Man, look how far I've come." Look back 5 years, look how far I've come. 10 years, yeah. look how far I've come. What do they say? That's, that's the underestimate, you overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what what you can do in 10. Is that the way that goes? But it's something like that. I think you're something close. like that. But it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just one little one little change can affect so much from yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, I feel unrecognizable from where I was when I started on this journey. Mm -hmm. And because the taking care of myself led me to start feeling hopeful about the next 20 or 30 years of my life because suddenly I had energy and was feeling better and thought, wow, 20 years, I, you know, if I'm going to be 50 and I, I probably will live to my 80s, that's like a lifetime. So what am I going to do? What could, what could I do? And then I started to get excited, you know? And yeah. that's when I, when I started to get excited is when I realized what trash talk I had been feeding myself about getting older and about mm -hmm. what that meant and it, that it was just completely limiting me from doing anything that I wanted to do. I really felt like I was done, that it was all over and what am I going to do from here? I think to some degree, parents go through that. I don't know if it's disproportionately. Speaking on behalf of myself as a parent, you get really invisible to the world when you have kids because all of a sudden it's it's the kid's birthday party. It's the kid's trip to whatever. Your vacation is to Disneyland instead of you know London or whatever it is because it's about the kids. Like It's really easy to fall into that trap of, I don't matter anymore. It's all about them. But you really, I think 
uh, don't do them any favors by focusing solely on them because you're not showing them the example. You're not showing them that I matter so that when you're in this position, you still matter. Oh, this is something that is, point. I'm still struggling with this now. There, there are things that my parents said about themselves when I was a kid that I have, that have been the voice in my head for my entire life. And I'm only recently realizing that, that like a lot of these beliefs that I have are things I heard my parents saying about themselves and they're, they're repeating them now. And so I'm here, I'm like, oh my God, I thought that was, I thought I was just broken inside, but it turns out that's what something I've been hearing. And so it's just drilled into my head that that's reality. And so we, we really need to, you know, we, we use this analogy on the show all the time, but we really, it's the champagne fountain, right? Like you have to fill that glass at the top so that it overflows so much that everyone gets to celebrate with a full glass rather than pouring from the bottom. I mean, we always hear the, the oxygen mask on the plane analogy or, or whatever analogy you need. I like the celebratory nature of the champagne fountain, even though I don't drink anymore. I haven't heard I the champagne like one now. before, but I like it. I like I, I, I like... love it because it's it's a celebration. And the more that you try and fill that that tower up from the bottom, by the time you get to the top, you're gonna realize there isn't enough left. And I'm I'm not gonna be able to enjoy this as much as everybody else. But if you start from the top, everybody gets their fill and everybody has a great time at the party. Yeah. What you just said is just resounding for me oh so loudly that um, my kids are a huge reason why I'm trying to live my life the way I am now, because I do want to be that example for them. And now that's expanded out beyond my kids in wanting to be an example for people who are younger, who might, who are, who are, you know, ageism is just all around us and, and we absorb it. And pretty soon we're victimizing ourselves with it before, before you know it, you know, I don't, Yeah. at what point do you guys, I, I feel like midlife is this gigantic swath of time and is relative to your life experience and, and, and who you are. At what point did you self-identify as midlife? Would you say? Hmm. Um, I don't actually think I have yet personally. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> how Do you mind if I ask how old you are, Zach? Uh, I'm 43. Cool. Um, and, yeah, I, I, mean, I totally get that. I Well, I think, you know, from a pure uh, math standpoint, I think I'm more than than midlife, right? I mean, the I suspect, you know, I use my dad as kind of the my my gauge. He he died when he was 74. So like, I guess theoretically, I'm definitely past midlife. You're well over but, the hill. Well yeah, over the hill. So. I am. But <laughs> but the but the reason I say that I don't really identify as midlife um is because I'm 43 and I am in better shape than I've ever been. I am in better mental health than I have ever been. I, you know, my sense of humor never uh, matured past the age of 12. So like that's cool. Very true. Like I am, yeah. <laughs> overall like i am the happiest healthiest i have ever been in my entire life and i don't feel old even though you know by calendar standards yeah i guess i am i will probably reach the grave in less time than i have been alive so far but uh you know i i, I don't feel like that and i'm just enjoying every single day and honestly i wake up every morning my feet hit the ground and i i it gets better every single day, but my feet hit the ground and I just have this like amazement and wow of I get to be alive again today and this gratitude for just waking up like anything else that could happen to me during the day doesn't really matter because I got the day and I got to wake up. So like gratitude, being in the best shape of my life mentally and physically I don't feel like I'm midlife. I don't, I feel like I've got a little ways to go, but I don't know, Jeremy, you probably are. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. I I remember the moment when I felt like I was there and in, at the risk of like overplaying the cliche of like, you're as old as you feel or whatever. I mean, that's exactly what, what Zach's talking about. Mm -hmm. I would argue that before you got on this journey, you probably felt older than you do now because you wake yeah. up, you don't feel good. You're sore, you're tired, all the things. I remember there was one day when I, when I was still in my corporate job and there was a colleague, same point in life, dad, like relatively new dad. And he was pretty heavy, like a kind of overweight, like sort of your typical, like, you know, late thirties, 40 something dad who just had kind of let himself go. Cause he's tired and it's, you know, being a dad's exhausting and work is hard and all that. 
and I was, I was sort of in this crossroads of like, oh, should I really like, should I start hitting the treadmill? Should I start working out? Should I start doing something or do I just cave and just like ride out the rest of the, the whatever this is going to be. And I remember seeing him and feeling like, well, he's, he's like that. So maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe that's the way to go. Maybe you just kind of give up and go through the motions and just see what's, see what's left of this life. And it was, it was this really weird, it was kind of comforting to just be like, I don't have to try anymore. I don't have to care anymore. But it was also sort of the point where I snapped out of it and was just like, wait, no, no, I've, I've still got like, I'm not even halfway there. Like there's still time. It's not too late for me. And that was around, I think the time that I started biking and, and doing things. And I don't, I don't know that the two were necessarily like, it was like this conscious, like, that's it. I'm taking my life back. But I think there was this weird realization of like, no, no, I don't have to quit. I don't have to give up. Um, but that was the point where I did feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm dad. I'm just going to coast and and whatever. I do feel better now. I do. I still like, you know, most days I wake up, I'm kind of groggy and tired. I don't want to get up earlier than my kids. Some days I do, some days I don't, they're not all perfect. That's one thing I want to, I want people to take away from this is that like, it's better but it's, it's by no means rainbows and, and lollipops and unicorns. Like this, this is a struggle that we struggle with until the grave and whatever is after. Like, so I guess my point is if you, if you want better in, in your life, this is something that I've been leaning into more myself is just trying to find goals that I will never reach so that I can let go of needing to reach them and, and enjoy working toward them because if I let go of the fact that I'll never reach them, I don't have to be disappointed every day until I get there. I don't have to, it doesn't have to be this constant battle of, oh, I haven't lost 20 pounds yet. I'm still miserable. I got it. Once I hit 20 pounds, then I'll feel better. Because you don't, right? You hit that mark, whatever that goal is, you feel better for five seconds. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, I'm still you know, in a lot of pain and struggling. And this is all still really hard. So it's more about like, what are the little steps I can do? What are the small wins along the way toward whatever the grand scheme is. And I'm very fortunate. I'm I'm very much living a life of design. I spent the last year and a half literally building to where I am now, to where for the first time in my life, I can go, wow, I, I accomplished things I didn't think were possible. What else can I do? And I don't know the answer right now. Uh, but that's that's kind of where I'm at is because I set this sort of unattainable, ridiculous goal, I just started taking steps toward it and it happened. That's not going to happen for everybody, but it's, it's so much more rewarding to check off those little wins, like just the simple little things that you do every day to get there than to just have, you know, until I get there, I'm not going to be happy. So I think kind of the wilder and more unrealistic your goal, the less you're going to have to worry about midlife or age or whatever, whatever, you know, social construct you're fighting against. Just do what you can do every day to get toward that thing you're trying to accomplish and focus less, less on accomplishing it and accomplishing the things that are going to get you closer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm interested, Zach, in in your your take on this, and that you don't feel like you're midlife because you, you feel too good to to be midlife. Um, and the funny thing is, is is I think that is that is the idea that we have been um, fed that we've been that we have all absorbed is that aging means decline aging means all this and and my question is is does it have to mean that does it have to mean that you have less energy or can you keep that going by putting yourself in situations where you're a beginner and you're learning something new and you've got the butterflies in your stomach and it's exciting. And I, I do, I do think that the fountain of youth is tied to trying new things that you want to do mm -hmm. and sucking at them for a while and, and, and just, kind of being humble enough to say, okay, I'm going to try this thing and, and, and being willing to being willing to just not be good at something. I think we protect ourselves um, as we get older because we want to look like we have our stuff together. You know, we want to look like we, we figured it out. 
And maybe, maybe if we let go of that a little bit, then the child that's in there that wants to explore and have some fun actually gets to come out and play a little more. Absolutely. I, um, yeah, I've got a, just a, like a little story and I'm going to like pat myself on the back the whole time, but, um, I, I do a lot. So like I do a lot of side projects. So I just, I always, I have all these things that I do and there's, you know, a couple of times I've talked to somebody and they're like, Oh, you do this full time. Oh, and you do a podcast. Oh, and you've got this other side project. Oh, and this other side project. And they're like, how, like, how, how do you like do all that? Like you've accomplished a lot. And here's the back padding part. Like I have accomplished a lot in my life and I do have a lot of interests. And Jeremy will tell you, I'm a yoga teacher. I like did my MBA in I don't know what, six, seven months or something like that. Like just lots of things. That's crazy. Sorry. What? <laughs> That's it's amazing. A, it's a two-year program and it was kind of self-paced and I just yeah. kind of just went through it really quick. But I, I say all of this because like, I've got all these experiences. I've got all these things under my belt and I'm good at a lot of things because I'm okay sucking at it. I'm okay with going, I don't know anything about this. Oh, I tried, didn't work. It means I try again. I've gotten very, very used to that feeling of not knowing what I'm doing, doing it anyway, and then getting kind of good at it. And I got to tell you, like, it has been life-changing for me. Like, my career, like, took off because of that. So every time there was something at work where somebody's like, we don't have people for that. Nobody knows how to do that. We don't have money for contractors. It always landed in my plate because everyone would say, oh, he'll be able to figure it out. And again, Jeremy's going to pull the episode number out, but we talked to a woman, uh, boy, years ago at this point. Uh, and I think the title of the book was, It's Okay to Suck at Something. Was that the title of the book, Jeremy? Um, no, I'm double checking. But the whole mm -hmm. point of the book was was really just to embrace that and be comfortable with it. Because when you're frustrated, when you don't know what you're doing, and you're still doing it anyway, oh, that's the golden moment. Like you get so much out of that. You learn how to grow as a human being and you're just absorbing all that information and you know your 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 brain is rewiring in certain ways. So I love that moment of being frustrated of and and I choose to love that moment of of being frustrated. And I think that's where a lot of people go uh in two different directions. So when you're in a moment where you have to do something, you don't know what it is and you're kind of you know you're feeling anxiety and depression that you don't know how how to do it just switch one word instead of i have to do this you switch one word i get to uh, do this i do that all the time it's like it's like it's like magic man it changes it is, the whole it is thing. like magic right yeah and it and it's just a choice in your head and and i think that took me a long time to realize that like being happy or sad being frustrated or okay with progress that's just a choice in your head. And to Jeremy's point earlier, we have well-worn paths in our head. We have songs that we know, and that's the direction we want to go. But choosing to go the other direction is a possibility, and it is harder. And don't get me wrong, it's a struggle, and there's been lots of tears. But it is simply a choice that you can make. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to be okay with frustration. You can choose to be okay with growth. But just doing the same song and dance because that's your comfort zone, um, there won't ever be any growth there. You'll never progress beyond where you are. Yeah. It's like being the walking dead as far as I'm concerned. You I know? just started watching that. I cannot believe <laughs> I've waited this long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm looking at the time, you guys. This has been amazing. Um is there anything that is exciting for you that's coming up that we should let people know about before we wrap up? I think it's always the next episode, right? You can you can find it at thefitmess.com. Uh, we mentioned a couple of them here. The one Zach was just talking about was with an author, Karen Rinaldi. It was our 15th episode. Her book is It's Great to Suck at Something. That's why I forgot it was number 15. We're on like 154 or five or something now. So I feel like I might have actually listened to that one. That's so funny. Is she hilarious? She is was. she like really she funny? Was. Yeah, she was funny. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Cause I haven't gotten to listen to a huge a number of your podcasts, but that's the one that you picked. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this woman. 
We have a lot there. So uh, thefitmess.com slash 15 for that one or slash, uh, I believe it was 76 for the other one with Justin uh, Baldoni talking about just being man enough and what that means. Those are great episodes. But of course, if you subscribe, you'll you'll get them all and you'll get the next one that comes out uh, after you hear this. Fantastic. And I will have links to your show in the show notes of my show. And this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about your journey. I love getting the male perspective on here. It is fantastic. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Well, there you have it. You know, what stands out for me in talking to Jeremy and Zach are the things that we can do to support ourselves in mind, body, and spirit as we age. It's all about making small changes every day and not getting too caught up in the end goal. It's about focusing on what we can do now to get closer to that goal rather than worrying about when we'll actually reach it. It's some pretty good judo to try to attain, right? But honestly, that's what midlife can be all about. Letting go of the societal pressures and expectations and focusing on what truly makes us happy and fulfilled. It's about realizing that aging isn't all bad and that we can keep our energy and excitement going by trying new things and being okay with not being good at them. So let's all take a deep breath and embrace the idea of midlife as a time of growth and self-discovery. Who knows, we might just surprise ourselves with how much we can accomplish. If you wanna know more about Jeremy and Zach or get information about the Fit Mess podcast, I'll have that information for you in the show notes. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 127. And while you're there, you can also find that link to the sign-up sheet for your free guide, Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. We'll talk soon.